Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the High Income Business Writing Podcast, the number one podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to earn more and less time doing work they love for better clients. With well over 1 million downloads from listeners just like you across 101 countries. Throughout modern history, conversation has been at the heart of human progress. The art of having good conversation is something most people valued. Now, coming from a Hispanic family, conversation was always at the heart of most of what we did growing up. We're talking deep, lively, funny conversations at every family gathering about anything under the sun, including politics, religion, current events, and what's happening in our lives. But it seems like over the past 20 years or so, more and more people just simply aren't valuing the skill of good conversation like they used to. And that's too bad because the ability to engage in and lead good conversations is a critical business and life skill. My guest today is an expert in this topic. Her name is Patty DiNucci, and she is the author of the excellent book, The Intentional Networker, and the upcoming book, More Than Just Talk, The Essential Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Enjoy Better Conversations. I've known Patty for over 10 years. She's a great lady, wicked smart, and as you'll quickly see, she's an excellent conversationalist and a true pro on this topic. In this chat, we dive into how you can become better at conversation regardless whether you're introverted, shy, or not really fond of talking to people you don't know. And that's the key thing is this is very little of anything to do with personality and a heck of a lot more to do with knowing how to do this well. This is a skill that anyone can develop with the right strategies, techniques, and practice, many of which we talk about in this conversation. Not only is this going to help you in your business, but also in your personal life. So with that, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Patty, great to have you here. Welcome. Thanks, Ed. Great to be with you too. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've talked and I feel like we're just going to pick up where we left off. Always. It's so easy with you. I love it. Can't wait. Awesome. Well, I want to talk with you today about conversations, the art of conversation, you know, it seems to me, and we can go down several different directions with this, but this is hugely important, I feel, for self-employed professionals to be able to get better at and manage well. And I feel like the art of conversation is something that people used to really value a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, And they wanted to learn get better at this. And I don't know, it just seems like that's changed over the past, I don't know, 20 years. Do you feel the same way? Or is that just my perception? No, it's really been it's, you know, people say, well, it's the pandemic, but this has been going on from way before the pandemic. There are all kinds of experts out there that have been very concerned about, especially here in America, for some reason, we just love our rugged individualism. We are living in a time when we can live alone. We have access to social media, streaming anything that you want to watch. And, you know, not to mention, you know, we could go into the whole how polarized we are politically or or think we are polarized politically and how everybody has a megaphone now. And 
so I think people either have become more, I'm not going to say they've become introverted because that never happens. Either you're introverted or you're extroverted or amb ambiverted or whatever. But I think when conversation becomes awkward or unpleasant or contentious or stressful in any way, and sometimes we have that made up in our minds that all conversations will be like that, we don't want to have them. And a big thing I tell people, and this is just one, the first little tip I'll give you, and then of course we can flow on to, into all kinds of things, is I look at it, there's a term called assuming positive rapport. I think a huge thing is we're afraid we're going to be rejected or we're afraid it's going to be unpleasant. And if you can assume positive rapport, which means there's a really good chance the other person's going to like you and it's going to be a pleasant conversation. If you can go in with a positive attitude, that is probably one of the number one things that we can change. And that's not easy. That is but, interesting. But so much to it. And it's so true because I've been so pleasantly surprised many times when I dread going into a situation, I don't know, a party or get together or, you know, a meeting with a client. And I just assume that things are just not going to go well. Yeah. That it's going to be adversarial or, you know, it's going to be yeah. awkward. And yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, and, and, and it's, it's and how does it feel to be around someone who is already feeling like it's going to be awkward? You can sense their feelings of awkwardness and yeah. it makes it more awkward. So I don't know. I think that's something we're all getting used to again. Now, the pandemic did impact us in that. And I've talked to people at all kinds of gatherings here in the past six months or a year. People are admitting like, this feels funny. I'm going to need to work at this like, all over again. So everybody's in the same boat, I think. Yeah, it's normal. It, I don't want to ever say, oh, because if you're having a hard time with conversation, you're a bad person. You're not. It's normal. But it's something we have to work at for sure. And it, it's true. I do agree that this was happening way before the pandemic. The pandemic just kind of exacerbated the situation yeah. further. You know, I'm hearing a lot of people, and it, more and more I'm hearing this, where people are saying they're using this excuse of their personality, you know, mm -hmm. as a crutch. Well, mm -hmm. you know, that's just not for me because I'm an introvert or... yeah. I just had a conversation with a coaching client this afternoon about, look, you got to talk to your client about money, about payment. Like this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. Mm -hmm. And we started talking and she's taking notes and it's making sense to her until she perked up and suddenly said, wait a minute, I just realized something. Are you telling me I need to have this as a conversation over Zoom? <laughs> the whole time she thought we we're talking about email. Or um, hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hypothetical, you know, mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, but I'm hearing a lot of people use the whole personality thing is, is a crutch. It's not me. That's I'm not good at that. That's not who I am. And we've all seemed to have been given an out for so many yeah. things, including well, this. Can you speak to that? Are you seeing Oh, that man, well? can I ever, you know, and it's so interesting. I, I learned a lot when I was writing the intentional networker and in speaking and preparing workshops. And, you know, I've been doing research, well, very intensively for the last 15 years, probably all my life, really. But I've done even more research. I've learned even more, which has been just fascinating. And here's the thing about social personality. There's the introverts who are energized by solitude, the extroverts who are energized by socializing, being with people, speaking out loud, thinking, you know, the, the chatty ones who just love people. And then there's those of us like me, I'm right in the middle. I am a right down the middle ambivert. Many people haven't heard that term before, ambivert, which means Sometimes I really like my alone time when I can work and be creative and just relax. And then I love to be out and about with people doing what we're doing now. I absolutely love it. And then it's like, yeah, 
that time to go back? And so I vacillate and I have to pay attention to that vacillation. When is it time to go back into the other realm? Now, on top of that, there's also shyness. Shyness is something, I don't know enough about where shyness comes from, but I will tell you this, once you're an introvert, you're always an introvert, whatever your social personality is, and you can find that out by taking the Myers-Briggs or there's some quickie tests you can take online to get a glimpse of it. But shyness can be overcome. It's something you have to practice. It's like being terrible at push-ups, which that would be me. You have to really work at push-ups to get good at them. And so practice and reading about it and talking to people and getting coaching like from people like you. So, you know, and you talked about this client of yours needing to have a conversation about money. I had a difficult conversation that I had to have. I'd given a presentation and there was, there's always that one person who fills out the survey that says something really ugly that I felt like was unfair and I didn't deserve. And so I was composing a long email to my client who was the event producer. And I finally, writing the email helped me organize my thoughts. But then, you know, I thought, darn it, I'm picking up the phone. We're just going to talk about this. I tell you what, within 30 seconds, he already was saying, Patty, we know you. We've hired you before. We know this person. We know exactly who this person is. They complain about everything. That's the kind of stuff they say. Rip it up, throw it away. It was for nothing. And it was just easier to have had the conversation. And I felt better. And it wasn't a back and forth thing where he wasn't sure how I was, what my tone was, and I wasn't sure what his tone was. We had a, <laughs> it was wonderful. So yeah, so much pick, more up, productive pick up just, the phone. Yeah. It's harder for people to ignore you when you are, have called them. Is the phone that thing that's got all the pad <laughs> with all the numbers? Is that, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, okay. The um, phone or Zoom or whatever, whatever. <laughs> Zoom is, <laughs> you know, I was not a Zoom fan at first and I'm getting, I'm, I wasn't getting to like it because I get to see you. Totally. totally. Uh, So that is an interesting distinction because I do hear people use shy and introverted interchangeably and you just made a very clear distinction. Mm -hmm. And you're right. One you're born with and that's just who you are, but the other one you could work on and there you could be a non-shy introvert. Yes. And just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you can't socialize. Your battery is getting charged by solitude. Totally. And so- makes you get enough. Like if you're an introvert, don't overbook yourself. Don't go to a conference and try to go from the minute the breakfast networking starts to the very last drink is being served in the bar. I mean, I can't do that. You pace yourself and you think, okay, I have to go back to my room or I need to go home now. Or if, you know, I'll do an hour at this networking event and then I'm going home and watching Downton Abbey or whatever your favorite series is. You have to take care of yourself and honor how it works. And I will also say extroverts need to be aware that they can go forever. They're like the marathon runners and not all of us can do that. So we can't keep up. So no, we can't keep up. Don't make us keep up. I first heard that term ambivert from you years ago when we Mm -hmm. had, I interviewed you for something and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is me. I didn't know that there was a middle ground because I've taken all the tests and I've just checked with myself a million times and Mm -hmm. I am totally in the middle. And I'll give you an example. So I lead a workshop with some of my coaching clients twice a year. And once in the spring, once in the fall, we just completed recently one of them. And I love the energy, you know, Mm -hmm. being there, all of us together, we're having great discussions, but you know what I do for lunch? We got an hour and a half for lunch. I go to my room. I'm going to say, do you hide in the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) There's some very famous speakers and, you know, thought leaders that go hide somewhere because yeah. And I don't know. Do you find it like, it sounds like you find it super stimulating 
super like, stimulating, I but really I need that break. Like, I can I feel it. I don't. Yeah. Want, I can't go to lunch with anybody. Like no, no there's no way. That's a continuation. Mm-hmm. I don't get a break. So I will go to my room and I'll either bring some food, you know, with me, or I will order DoorDash and have it in it yes. just eat it in my room because I can't. I just, I just can't. I know that about me. So you're right. Yeah. I fluctuate back and forth. Yeah, but that's really important. And you know, you are who you are. We are. At the who end we of are. the day, you got to monitor your energy. Yeah, uh, and you can pretend to be somebody else, and it won't work. It'll make you sick. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So let's talk about some conversations. And I'd like to get a little tactical with some of these because I'd love to get some. Sure. I know you got some great tips. Here's one. We've all been in a conversation that is just not going all that well, either because you feel you're, I don't know, it's just awkward, or maybe you feel like they're being a little aggressive and asking too much of you completely unexpectedly. So what can, and I know I just gave you two or three different examples, Mm -hmm. but what do we do? You know, how do we kind of turn things around in a way that's going to make the conversation more productive or how do we end the conversation? Yeah. Well, there's all, all of those things. So I will say that any conversation and you described a couple of specific scenarios, but we could say any conversation that you're not finding mutually, it doesn't seem like it's mutually interesting or productive. And Granted, this might maybe different from a client conversation. Let's talk about social conversations. Like yeah, let's you're start at a, with that one. Let's start maybe with that one. We should one. go then, through specific examples. Yeah. Yeah. Let's... So let's say you're at a, a networking event, and you know, networking people don't like the term. I don't know any place where you're going to be social because I think networking happens everywhere. It happens at the gym. It happens when you're out walking the dog. It happens everywhere. But let's say you're at a specific professional event and you're having a conversation with somebody, and they're either just talking, talking, talking too much, or that you don't like the energy, you can't really get the flow going, you can't get a good, mutually interesting conversation going. You know, you can sit there for a while and be polite. And then at some point you can say, you know what, please forgive me. I, please forgive me. Those are the three words. Please forgive me. Oh, I see my friend over there. I promised her I would go say hi. So I'm going to say it's nice to meet you. And I'm going to do the mix and mingle thing. And you just say it. Let's say you want to keep talking. Let's say you have a reason that you do want to keep talking to this person, but the topic has gone, let's say you've gone off on some sad news story or some sort of political thing that is just like, hey, we didn't want to go there. (laughs) You can say, you can manage the conversation and shift the conversation by saying, hey, let's talk about something else for just a minute. I was wondering, and you can do it in a smooth way, but you can say, you know, I'd really rather not talk about that right now. I would really like to ask you about, you are perfectly within your bounds to shift a conversation if the topic is not the topic you want to be talking about. Now, keeping a feeling of grace and kindness and politeness is good, but you do not have to be a doormat. I think people go into conversations and they feel like they have no control whatsoever and or they're being a rude, bad person. I would tell you the if there's a rude person, it's a rude person that doesn't stop talking or gets off on a topic that is totally inappropriate or doesn't let you participate in the conversation and managing it. So there's a whole spectrum of, you can avoid people. There are, trust me, there are people I avoid. <laughs> I see uh-huh. out and about, I know what it's going to be like. I may say, hey, Bob, how are you doing? Great to see you and scuttle off in another direction. You can approach and get the conversation started and then direct it. Like my hairdresser told me just last week, he said, you don't know this, but I manage these conversations that we have. And he's delightful. It's like, really? I kind of feel like, really? They're not just naturally awesome? He goes, no, no. Uh-huh. I've been doing this for years. I know how to guide the conversation. 
And then there are some where you just flat out have to say, you know, please forgive me, leave. Or if someone's being abusive or inappropriate, offensive anyway, you can just walk away, just escape with your life. It is totally acceptable. Well, let me give you one that I'm going to try to think of a couple that I know come up a lot. Yeah, those, that's in social setting. I mean, when I go to a party or a social thing, I move around unless I'm in some sort of really engaging exchange with somebody. It is actually the right thing to do to mingle around. So you come up with some scenarios that- No, and that's a really important one. I was just in one two weeks ago where I thought, oh my gosh, I'm done talking with this guy, but I need an out. So that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Please Here's- forgive me. Please forgive me. I love that. That's easy because it's three words. What were the three words? Please forgive me. Yeah. So one with, let's say clients, mm-hmm. you go into a conversation and you feel it's not abusive, but you were not expecting this negative Ooh. conversation, right? Negative feedback mm-hmm. or, you know, something happened that you didn't know about. And suddenly, in other words, you're being unloaded new information that you weren't expecting. It's hard to process. Yeah. And you feel stuck. Mm. That's a difficult situation. That is really difficult. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I'm really the expert on the difficult conversation thing, but I've certainly had difficult conversations or when something came up. And I think sometimes we have to just be honest and say, wow, I was not expecting this. You may need to say, tell me more about what you want to say to me. Mm-hmm. and what I need to know about this. And you may have to say, look, I'm not sure how to process this yet. I need to have some time to think about it. I think you can always ask for time to think about something. Yeah. You know, even in some of these very lively conversations, you know, that people have about all kinds of topics and policies and, you know, and a good friend of mine, in fact, she's the one my new book is dedicated to, Jen B. King, she said that when anybody backs her into a corner, like, well, what do you think about this? And if she's not ready to answer, she'll just say, I'm not ready to answer that. I need some time to think about this. How awesome for someone to say that honestly and say, I need some time than to spout something, you know, that's totally unthought through. Yeah, that you know might I'm be saying unfair the, to you or, it's you unfair, know, or you're saying something reactionary. that it's reactionary. It might be unprofessional. Those are really difficult, but I've had definitely client conversations over the years that have blindsided me. And, you know, sometimes I've reacted very well. Sometimes, you know, I got defensive. That wasn't appropriate. Or sometimes I did say, you know, like in the call I mentioned earlier in this conversation where I knew this person, like it was, I love feedback. Feedback is how we grow, you know, even the negative stuff. But this person said something that I thought was totally unfair. It was mean. It was damaging. And I knew that it wasn't true. And so that was why I called and said, this I feel like this wasn't unfair. In fact, I worked really hard to not be that way, the way that she described me. And anyway, I defended myself because in that case, I felt I was being slandered, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I stood up for myself. Yeah. It's okay to stand up for yourself. But I think it's, you know, being gracious and kind and, well, not necessarily, <laughs> sometimes being kind is just not the right thing, but professional. You know, you have a right to say, I'm not really ready to discuss this yet. I'm going to need more information from you before I know what to even do to fix it or to do it differently. I think that is huge right there because we have been conditioned somehow to think that we have to provide answers and agreement Mm -hmm. when we're not ready to do so. Right. And And we're also in in a world where people 
think it's okay to just attack and to yeah. be mean and bullying. I'm writing a speech right now for a group of city leaders and <laughs> I'm trying to be very tactful in how I'm telling them that they all need to be more tactful. They're leaders. They need to, you know, practice civility, practice courteousness, practice listening, practice being curious, find out what's on people's minds. We have so many bad examples out there in the media. And they're not only impacting us, they're impacting our kids. Yeah, they, The kids think that's normal, that that's how you deal with people. And it's not true. One of the things you talk about, and I, I love this, is being able to have conversations, getting to a place where you can have conversations with authenticity, mm -hmm. ease, and confidence. To me, when I read that, I'm like, oh my God, <gasps> that is that is a trifecta right there. I know. I want that. <laughs> I want that. I want that. So I know that, you know, there's no easy hack for that. But what are some easy things people can do to start moving in that direction? You mentioned curiosity. Yeah. You know, if you don't feel you're a naturally curious person, mm -hmm. you know, what are ways you because I know that's a great way to spark mm -hmm. conversation and to really give it life. So, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. And then I want to go back to the what is it authenticity, ease and confidence. If yep. I think that's the order I put them in. So yes, curiosity. Curiosity. You know, what did Dale Carnegie say? The bit about, you know, you can make more friends in two months by being interested in other people mm -hmm. than trying to make them interested in you. And that is so true. And curiosity is, I think if we ever, boy, I tell you what, if I ever get to the point where I'm not curious and interested in things, learning, finding out, talking to people, trying new things, boy, you know, it's over. And Really, truly, they say that the quality of your health and your overall life later in life, if you're not curious and living curiously and socially, you will decline a lot quicker and you may not survive certain illnesses or injuries. So mm -hmm. we're talking about longevity and vibrant living here. So that's a big one to look out into the future. But curiosity, one of the things that is in my new book is we did an entire appendix of questions. There were so many. I could have had thousands of pages of good questions coming up with good questions to ask. Okay, so how do we know what to ask? How do we know what's going to create a conversation? You just want to ask random questions where the person's answering and you don't care. Like, that's not even a topic mm -hmm. I want to talk about. So let's go back to authenticity. And if you go back to the intentional networker, my very first chapter is about knowing yourself. So most of us don't know ourselves very well. It's a great book by Tasha Urich called Insight. And she says that Around 90% of us have no clue. <laughs> we don't know what we want. We don't know what if we're an introvert or an extrovert. And I don't know how that's possible. I think it's because we're trying to fit into molds that people want to put us in. But I, I ask people, what do you want to be talking about? What are you interested in? What would you like to know about people? Like, you know, you're a podcaster. And have you ever been a, a journalist? Did you ever? No. Well, you are a journalist. You're a commu Why aren't you a communicator? You know, you're writing about people. Uh, you know, I, I so guess, I had, yeah. I did but have I'm not class. a journalist by training or anything like that. Okay. No. So it, back when I was in college, I had lots of writing classes and I took a journalism class and I did some writing for the school paper and I learned how about interviewing and interviewing is all like asking, coming up a good story comes from good questions. So if you want a good story from somebody, ask them questions. And I don't mean being invasive and snoopy and getting in the middle of their business, but, you know, ask people things like, you know, what three books are on, you have books on your nightstand. What are you reading right now? Or who is the teacher that influenced you the most? The one that you think about and are so grateful for at this stage in your life. When people can come up with, in fact, 
having a powwow to come up with questions like what's your favorite conversation question that's a question in itself um it so coming up with great questions we did this thing the other night we went to this party in san antonio and there were three people there we knew plus the host and hostess and so we were on our own to try to you know get to know people and so we just came up with interest when i say we i mean my boyfriend mark and i we came up with a question like let's go to those people over there and let's ask him this question and it became a quest like <laughs> this is our question for the night we're going to ask everybody this question this is great so it's preparation authenticity is about knowing what are you interested in what do you need to be learning for your career to get better at what you do for your business to just to keep life interesting and then what was the other thing ease Ease, ease and confidence. Yeah. I think ease. Let's talk about that for just a minute. I think remembering that everybody in the room is mostly concerned about themselves. Like, oh my gosh, how are people perceiving me? Do I look okay? Am I going to sound smart or am I going to be impressive or am I going to sound like a doofus or, you know, what's it going to be? And if we go back to that assume positive before, just assume you're going to have a great time. And that takes yeah. a while to get there, I will say. It's practice. And you can fake it till you make it, but just do that part. Do that carefully. Don't come off as a super overconfident, braggadocious person who is just like, you know, the annoying little brother that nobody wants to hang out with. No, but I think I learned that from you in that, hey, if you think about it, everyone's kind of on the same boat. We are. And once all on the you same get boat. to learn more about them, you realize mm -hmm. that they're no better than you. Right. Um, and one thing that I like to think of kind of a quick little hack is I imagine that person is like a little toddler. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, they, 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 if I feel like I'm afraid to approach them or what, just like, okay, they're just like a little insecure toddler, you know? They are, and, and you uh, know, I've had, I don't know about you, Ed, but I've had some really delightful conversations with people that I thought were going to be the most boring people in the room. That's my assumptions. You know, mm -hmm. that was me prejudging. I've had boring conversations with people that thought, oh my gosh, there's so-and-so who's like the CEO of the company. And it turned out brilliant person, but not good, at, not very good at conversation. And I've had some surprising conversations, especially using the, talking about tactics, using the tactic of if you're going into a social setting and whatever it is, professional or otherwise, there's always a person that's off standing by themselves. They're also feeling like, I don't know anybody here. I don't know what to say, or they just haven't found the right person. Go over and ask them a question. How are you doing? If, like, you know, do you, who do you know here? What brought you to this event? You know, is this the first time you've been to one of these? Or am I the only one that doesn't know anybody here? That's- Oh, I love that. Isn't that a great line? Yeah. That's my friend, Julie- Tereschek, who sadly passed away last year. And plus she's, she's British. So she said it in a British accent. Am I the only one who doesn't know anyone here? <laughs> it was, always sounded so charming. And who would be able to resist introducing her to people? Yeah. yeah. I love that. It's technique. That. It's a lot of it's technique. And then confidence. Again, I think it's the more you do this, the better it gets. And honestly, I thought I knew everything about, oh, conversation, writing a book about conversation, which is my new book. How hard can it be? Well, eight years later, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you know, we edited it down from I don't even know how many words we had, but it's going to be a 400 some page book, not a dense 400 some page book, but it'll be thick, but easy to go through short chapters, sections, things you can go tactically, things you can do strategically. And I know we're going to get to talking about that in a minute. But yeah, I think that covers authenticity, ease and confidence. I'm 
trying to think if there's anything else I can share off the top of my head. I think practice is a great, like the more you do it, the better it gets. And you actually develop your social intelligence, which there's emotional intelligence. You know, there's our IQ, how smart we are. There's our social intelligence. There is emotional intelligence. And unlike IQ, which is set, that's our emotional or intelligence quotient. These other ones are totally expandable, totally expandable. And what social intelligence means is you begin to be aware of, hey, this work, that didn't. You start doing this when you're a preschooler and you're introduced to other kids. Oh, that was fun. This wasn't. I -hmm. like that kid because no matter what I suggest, he's open to doing it. And this follows you through the rest of your life where you realize, wow, when I start talking about you know, my pets too much, people glaze over. When I start talking about my kids too much, people glaze over. Don't bring up this topic. It just never goes anywhere good. Yeah. Or you can start noticing facial expressions. Like I need to change the topic. This person's not into what I'm saying. So let me ask you. Yeah. And and then you should be able to pick up on those cues. Trust yourself, right? It's like, I'm I'm seeing this, but am I really seeing it? No, you're probably Mm. seeing it. You're probably probably seeing it. Yeah, um, I think one of the advantages that listeners of the show have that they, I don't think many of them realize it, is that most of my listeners are very, very curious people because they're writers, mm-hmm. they're journalists, they're yep. avid readers, they're extremely curious. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the biggest problems we have is like we want to pursue every new idea, every Absolutely. opportunity. So. I think instead of seeing that as a maybe a disadvantage sometimes, see it in conversation. Yeah. As a great exploring. Quality. I mean, I love the term exploring. I love the term possibilities. I love the great book called The Art of Possibility by Rosamond Stone Zander and her husband Ben Zander. And it's a oh, delightful yeah. book. Yeah. It's a, just a fabulous book. And you know, I just love the idea that, okay, try to find the balance between being purposeful. Mm-hmm. You know, have like, I'm going to go to this event because, you know, not just out of obligation, but I'm going to go to this event because I want to make this happen. Whatever your vision is, I, I really, I need to have a good time. I need to meet some people. I have some issues. I, I need to f- meet some people who know some things I don't know that will help me solve a problem in my business, or I'm just bored and I want to meet some new people. But then let that go and be open to the possibilities because I always think the magic is in the possibilities. If you think you know why you're going, you'll know when it's time to leave. Like, this is not happening. This is not panning out the way I want it. But if you open to the possibilities of, man, I might meet somebody that's totally out of the blue. I might meet my next new client doing Mm -hmm. this. I might learn something where it's like, whoa, I was going to do this project. I was going to start offering this service. And now I realize, man, it goes nowhere. It's not profitable. It's too much work. It's probably not a good idea for me to be doing this. I don't have the bandwidth. You may get this flashing aha from somebody that you didn't even expect, but it's because you had that balance between purpose and possibility. I love that. And I love the fact that you said, look, be clear, but then set it aside. One Mm -hmm. of the things that I hear a lot of people, especially with networking events or industry events, is they set these ridiculous goals of, (laughs) I'm going to walk away with 10 leads. It's like, you have no control over that. Number one, number two, that's way too much pressure. Yeah. How about, look, I'm going to want to meet some interesting people mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe yeah. start some relationships, you know, the right. beginning of some relationships that are good relationships Yeah. and then just kind of let it go and be out there and be yourself. Yeah. I mean, the person who wants to have X number of leads and wants to have X number of business cards and do, you know, they're going to become the most obnoxious person in the room because everyone else is going to look at them like, dude, chill. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just be people here. Let's just 
I mean, honestly, and, you know, I tell people to, to do this, like when you're trying to figure out where your best business comes from, go back and analyze, you know, what's the pedigree of your favorite clients? Where did you meet them? Where and how did you meet them? One of my favorite clients was somebody on my cycling team when I was cycling a few years ago. And I had no expectation that that was going to be a networking thing. But she called me at nine o'clock one night and just said, oh my gosh, we have some budget money. We have to use it up by the end of the year. You'd be perfect. Can you do a thing for blah, blah, blah in three weeks? And it was like, yeah, <laughs> I got something right now in the can and I'll just, you know, customize it a little and we're good to go. And it was fantastic. I didn't see that coming, but I was just, but that's how I run my life. I run my life as if everything is a possible networking, you know, I, I want to use the word conversation and connection, you know, in, as far as making friends and building the, my business, it, you know, you can call it networking if you want to, but those conversations are everywhere. And by being a cool person that people like, you're more likely to get the business than the person who's just the super duper over the top go-getter that is just, wow, <laughs> well, maybe a little too much. The distinction that I heard there is you want to go in with curiosity and make connections and be open to the possibilities versus mm -hmm. I want to turn everything into a <laughs> yes. lead, you know, mm -hmm. or I'm going to find the leads. I went to this networking group. It was really more of a sales lead group, which I now know the difference <laughs> between uh -huh. a networking group. And, a and when I sat down at this table, this guy that apparently was a regular leaned across the table and he goes, look, if you're not here to bring me leads, don't come back next time. Mm, that's <laughs> I was extreme. like, wow, that was by far the worst. And I think everybody kind of, you know, told me like, yeah, ignore him. He's just part of the scenery around here. But it's, it goes back to that easy thing about people say over and over again, people do business, with people they know, like, and trust. And you can't get there until you have conversations like, tell me about yourself. Mm, you seem really pleasant and nice and courteous and interested. You listen to what I have to say, I listen to what you have to say. And then trust is doing that repeatedly where they know they can count on you. Tell me more. You just mentioned listening. I know you're really big on that. A lot of people feel like you got to have the gift of gab when really what you have to have is the gift of listening. Can yeah. you speak to that a little bit? Oh, boy. I think the gift of gab definitely has its merits in that people who are comfortable talking to almost anybody. My dad was that way when some of my best friends are that way. Some people say I'm that way. And I think that's great to be comfortable talking to anybody about anything. I think that's a, a wonderful trait. But if you're not in turn doing your share of the listening, then it's kind of gone out of control. And there's actually a rule about if you're in a one-on-one, -on -one, socially or however, you should be listening 60% of the time and talking 40% of the time. And press the real geeky math people say, well, that's impossible. Both people can't be, you know, doing that. It won't work if both people do that. Well, the point is be the generous one. You be the generous one who is willing to listen more than they talk. And then if you're in a group, like let's say there's four people standing together having a beer, you divide the conversation pie. Each person gets 25% of the time to speak and has to listen 75% of the time. Mm -hmm. And that throws a lot of monkey wrenches into potentially some lively conversations where everybody's talking all at the same time. I mean, I've been in some of those, you probably have too. And you know, there's a liveliness to that. But if you are really wanting to be courteous and be known as a good conversationalist, you are spending a good share of your time listening. And that's how you know what questions to ask next. That's, I mean, as a podcaster, you know this, you've done a brilliant job right here of saying, oh, I heard you say, 
and it spins off into the next piece. Yeah. I think we're so worried about, I mean, myself included, what we're going to say next Mm -hmm. that at some point you stop listening, but. Yes. And it's really hard, you know, in in the speech that I'm writing, it's really, I'm telling them that you have to pause. And even if you have a thought that you want to interject and we all have them because it's just expressive and natural to just want to talk. And when you have that thought, it's a discipline to hold that thought, let the person finish and then (laughs) try to still remember it, which is getting harder for me. Say, you know, I'd like to go back. Like you've done it several times. I'd like to go back to what you said. It's people think you're absolutely charming and brilliant, which you are. (laughs) You're really good at this. Well, I I can take notes, right? So I made myself some notes and, but in a conversation, I I only have space in my brain for one note, right? So, but that's okay. So tell me about, you know, you've been working on your new book, More Than Just Talk, which is Mm -hmm. excellent, by the way. So I was lucky to have gotten a review copy from you. Thank you. I was really impressed by how practical it is, Mm -hmm. because I think these are topics that can easily be very boring Mm -hmm. because it can feel so abstract. You have so many examples. You share theory and strategies, but you quickly provide examples. You've been working on this for how long now? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. (laughs) No, no. It's it's kind of a joke. Like it got to the people like, don't ask Patty about her book anymore. Don't ask her. She's not rich. She's not finished yet. She's been working on it eight years. Eight or nine years, I think, as soon as the Intentional Networker came out, and that's been out since 2011, if you can believe that. As soon as it wow. came out, I started getting the questions, yeah, the net- this is great, but what about just getting conversations started? And how do you get away from the person that's talking too much? And I started collecting questions when I was speaking, and I've been working on it eight years, and it was, it's been fascinating I learned so much that I actually use, like I use, like we just had an engagement party for my son here with 50 people here at the house. And I was a little freaked out about it. There's a lot of people crammed in my house, but it was, people stayed way past and I was thrilled. I was fine with that. People stayed way past the, you know, the seven to nine window. And people even said, oh my gosh, how can it be 1030 or 11 already? We didn't mean to stay this long, but I was so complimented by that. It's like, we were having such a good time. You know, such great people. And this book has helped me. I think I always write the book that I need. So I'm just so excited to get it out into the world. I I don't think the timing could be better. People need this information. And I'll also say, I read a lot of other books about conversation. There's some really fantastic ones out there, but a lot of them are written from an extrovert's point of view. And Mm. that's not me. I mean, no, there's a, a lot of people that need this book could be extroverts, you know, how do I manage my extroversion? But there will be ambiverts and introverts and shy people too, who I think will get a lot out of this and feel, you know, that ease and authenticity and confidence once they start practicing using some of these techniques. And, you know, I tell a lot of stories too about things that have happened to me and, you know, good and bad and things I did well and things I screwed up. And, you know, I just, we tried to have fun with it and make it amusing because people don't really like reading huge, dense books that are boring. Yeah, so this one tried. reads well. Thank it's, you. It's easy to read. And that's so cool that you've been able to learn yourself as oh, you put it together. I'm curious. So I'm going to throw an interesting question at you. If you could somehow call your past self 10 years ago, and you had some advice about this topic, 
Mm. And you only had a few seconds and you're not going to waste time proving to your past self that it's really you. Let's just assume Mm -hmm. that it was a given. What would you tell your past self? I would have said that I would have hired the editor of this book. My good friend, we're both, we're fellow marketing communications writers. We've known each other more than 30 years. Our kids are the same age. I would have said, hire Susan right off the bat. Susan Pretty, that's her name. And I worked with two or three other book coaches and editors, and I didn't get the same enthusiasm. And I would say this to any of your people who are going to write a book at any time. If you're going to bring in any kind of partner or editor or book coach, they need to have the same enthusiasm for the topic and for how you want to try to cover the topic and share the topic as you do. They have to go, oh my gosh, that's the best idea. I mean, definitely she pulled some things out like, yeah, let's not use this part. That's no, no. But she was so honest with me, but she's like, Patty, are you kidding me? This is fantastic. We got to do this. You got to keep going. And I have, oh my gosh, it was, it's been totally worth it to have her on board to help sit in the smart chair. Let me do the research. Let me just explore and write. And she's the one that really came up with the format and how we could break things into little pieces. So work with the right person. I would also say, don't ever think you know everything about a topic, you know, whether it's your own business expertise or, you know, emotional intelligence or travel or how to do this or that. Always be learning. Always. What would you say to yourself about conversation, your past self, since you've learned so much Yeah, I've learned over the so past much. 10 years? Well, I will say that it's been affirming to me that how I felt about it instinctively and even in how I grew up. My dad was the local car dealer in a small town in Minnesota, and he was really gregarious. And my mom was very friendly and gracious, but a little more reserved. So I'm kind of a blend of them. I had really good role models on how to treat people and how to behave and how to be professional and how to keep learning. My parents were avid readers. They did interesting things. They had interesting friends. So I learned a lot there. But what I tell people is, honestly, conversations create a lot of the goodness in your life, personally and professionally. It's how you get clients. It's how you find the person of your dreams. It's how you solve problems. It's how you have fun and unwind and vent and share. We are wired to connect as humans, even if we're introverts. People who stay really loners are generally not happy people. Mm-hmm. There are some that are very content loners, but when you find the right people and have the right conversations, I think it just makes life really beautiful. So, I mean, this well I can't said. imagine not doing what I do. It's just enforced it. Well, I see it and I hear it in your voice. <laughs> so tell me more about where listeners can learn about your book. Where can they, and I believe you have a free chapter they can download. Yes. If they go to pattydinucci.com, that's spelled P-A-T-T-I-D as in dog, E-N as in Nancy, U-C-C-I.com or intentionalnetworker.com. They go to the same place. We should have a pop-up that will allow you to find and receive a free chapter of the book. And we've had a couple of we've picked out, we might rotate different ones in and out to just give people different tastes of what the book's about. Chapters are short, but everyone has something in it that you can use. So that would be a great way to stay in touch. It will automatically, I'll be honest, it will automatically put you into my blog subscription blog list. And I'll be doing a lot more of that. I'll probably be sharing things from the book (laughs) forever, (laughs) as long as I can type. I'll keep putting things out there. 
I love yeah. it. We'll make sure to include that link in, yep. in the show notes, but check it out, guys. Like I said, I've had the privilege of taking a look at it and it's fantastic. So yes, thank uh, you so much, Ed. Definitely something we can all learn from. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And just a quick reminder to grab your free copy of my latest book, Burn More in Less Time, The Proven Mindset, Strategies, and Actions to Prosper as a Freelance Writer. You can get your free copy at b2blauncher.com, or you will also find the detailed show notes to this and all my other episodes. Enjoy and have a great day.